Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. into the spirit of joy. Um, I believe the spirit of revival is connected to the spirit of joy. I believe one thing that needs to be revived, especially in our current condition, is joy. People are just, it's been a long year. What can I say? It's been a lot. It's been a lot going on, and I just believe that God is still bringing revival. I'm hung on that right now. I shared some stuff with the team. I still believe God's bringing revival. I know it feels like we're in this weird uh, resurge of negativity and maybe trending in the wrong direction, but I am still convinced that God's desire is revival, and we have to stay focused. You have to stay pressed in. You have to stay connected to the Father's heart, to what He's saying, what He's doing, because if not, it's easy to buy into the narrative. It's easy to see what's happening and see what's going on around us. So if we're not careful, we buy into the narrative around us, and we lose the spirit of joy time to get up Kenny your alarm's going off (laughs) I want to continue this morning Uh, I'm going to go into a part two of last week last week we dealt with the topic of being between Galilee and Samaria and I'm going to try not to do a bunch of backtracking and uh, going back over stuff but just to kind of set up uh, we came out of the story in Luke chapter 17 where Jesus heals the 10 lepers In it, it says he met them between Galilee and Samaria. So in that place in between, we learn that Samaria represents a Hellenistic culture. It's a culture that's very influenced and part of a whole lot of other cultures and other things. And then Galilee, we know, is the place where Jesus did most of his miracles. Uh, They're just all stacked right in there. And most importantly, probably one of the most famous and well-known is his miracle of walking on the water. So we talked about being stuck in between Samaria, where I'm not where I used to be, but how many of you would be willing to admit you ain't walking on water either? (laughs) I mean, I'm not in a Hellenistic culture, and I'm not living like I used to live, and I'm not involved in what I used to be, and I'm not as messed up as I was, but Lately, I haven't walked on water either. So it's finding ourselves, and how do we navigate a place when you're in between? How do you navigate life when you're in between two different dimensions, two different places? So today, we are going to continue in this same concept. You know it's going to get real. I brought my big Bible today. Shout out to Pastor Frank and uh, Power Church. They bought me this Bible as a gift, and it is incredible. Thank you so much. I love it. Really good study Bible. If any of you are looking for a good study Bible, this is a really good one. Plug for... Tony Evans. The Tony Evans study Bible uh, is really good so far. I love all his inserts and things he's got in here. It's a really good study Bible. Anyway, that was a commercial. Luke chapter 17, are you there? Or did I even tell you to go there? Luke chapter 17, between Samaria and Galilee, or between Galilee and Samaria. We also learned that the place where he met them was called Jezreel Valley or Yisrael, which means God sows. That's where God deposited something into the, tw- into the ten lepers. And in the moment, what they did with what was deposited determined what they got. It determined their outcome. It determined the level of their healing. Uh, 
And we talked about movement. Do something. Go. It says, as they went, they were healed. We're going to read the story again, and we're going to jump back into it. Luke chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God, and he fell face down at his feet the feet of Jesus, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't, didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way, for your faith has made you whole. The King James Version says, your faith has made you whole. This word here, whole, can be translated several different ways, but today we're going to capitalize on the fact that it made him whole. So what you have to understand is in the process he became healed, or one of the translations says cleansed. He became cleansed. I believe conversion happens. I believe at salvation you're cleansed. But there's a process as we go that brings us to wholeness. I believe a lot of broken, hurting, and messed up people will end up going to heaven. But they'll never live in heaven wholly while they're here on earth. And so today I want to look into this. I want to look at the going. As they went, they were healed. Last week we talked about go somewhere, do something. The church tends to become very self-aware, and when we do, we hide in a cave. We hide out. We quit going. We quit sharing. We quit speaking. We quit declaring. We quit doing a lot of things when we become self-aware of what's in us, what's wrong with us, what's a part of us. Jesus discipled and taught the exact opposite. He took 12 men who were completely messed up, who did not have this thing figured out, took them out and began to use them as agents of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not long into their ministry, they're still having issues, they're still messed up with stuff. He sends them out in pairs into their own cities and says, go, preach the gospel, raise the dead, heal the sick. They did all these things. They did some incredible, amazing miracles while they were in this condition. And for so long, the church has taught us you don't do anything until you get it all figured out. This is not a biblical principle. The biblical principle is you encounter Jesus, you start going, and as you go, he starts doing some stuff. He starts working out some issues. He starts dealing with some things. The thing is, he was able to work out the issues in the going as long as they were going in proximity to him you got to catch this, because a lot of people are just going, but they're nowhere close to Jesus. Peter was still going when he fell and denied Jesus three times. He was still going. As a matter of fact, scholars even believe he was going in the same direction as Jesus. He was just doing it from way away from him. The problem is, a lot of times we get in our mind, if I just keep, keep going, keep, keep going, don't stop, then everything will be fine. But it won't be fine if your going is not in proximity to him. The Bible says before Jesus fell, Peter followed him from afar. When he began to put distance between him and Jesus, then even the going became his downfall. So we have to be very careful in this sense. So I, wa I want you to see, I want to get into the as they went. What does this mean? As they went, they were healed. The going. What does the going look like? What does it feel like? I believe 
most Christians have found themselves in this place. It is the going. It's the, I'm not in Samaria anymore. I'm in the process of going, but I'm not in Galilee. And how do we begin to process and deal with this type of a place? So when you find yourself here in the going, I want you to just take a minute. We're going to just try to put yourself into the story. Because you have 10 guys who have been outcasts from everything in life because they have leprosy. So they can't do anything. They can't go into any towns. They can't be around any crowds. This has become their life. Uh, They find Jesus. They encounter Jesus in this moment. And Jesus tells them to do something as if the miracle had already happened. Because in the Bible days, the priests were the ones who had to inspect you. If you thought for some way, somehow you got rid of leprosy, which I don't think actually ever happened. If you thought you would go to a priest, they would inspect you. If you were, if you were cleared, then you could go back out amongst all the people. Well, Jesus tells these ten lepers, these ten guys who are eat up with leprosy, go ahead and show yourself to the priest. So Jesus begins to say something about them that they can't see in the moment. I need you to pay attention to this part. Because what happens with an encounter with Jesus is when we encounter Jesus, he begins to say things and see things in us that we don't see currently. This is why he met them in Yisrael Valley, the place where God sows. Jesus sowed an identity into them, and what they did with the identity that was sown into them determined what they ended up being. So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, something you could only do if you were healed. And they start a journey. First of all, we have to commend them that in the moment Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest, they're obedient. They begin to move. They begin to go forward. They have this encounter and they're thinking, this is the guy. We've heard about what he can do. We heard about what he's capable of. And you can see them begin their journey. But if you took yourself and got into the journey with them, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. You begin your journey to go and be what Jesus said you were. Jesus is saying you're cleansed, you're healed, you're made whole. You start your journey. Well, what happens when a mile into it, you look down and still there's leprosy? What do you do when you've been traveling now for a little while? You've been going, I've been following, I've been doing, but when I look down, I still see this thing. I still see this condition. I still see this situation. I still see this. What do you do in that moment? Do you remember what Jesus said? Or do you buy into the current situation and decide, there's no way I'm going to the priest because look at me. Because this is where most of us find ourselves. We've had the encounter. Jesus has called out a new identity. He's called out, you're healed, so go ahead and show yourself to the priest. But in the process of going, I keep getting hung up on what I still see. And so a mile in, two miles in, three miles in, how do we know how far they had to travel before they started seeing any kind of a difference? What if they didn't see a difference until they got to the temple? What if they didn't see a difference until they stepped in front of the priest? Well, when you get to that point and you're thinking, in my mind, I'm about to walk into a holy temple to where I could be stoned or cast out of the city for what's wrong with me, but Jesus said to go in. What do we do in that? What do you do with that? What do you do when you're, you feel like you're caught between two dimensions? I still see leprosy, but I know what he said for me to do. 
And we're in this struggle and we're in this war of do I, do I keep moving in this direction or do I buy into what I see in the moment? Because what happens is God has sown a seed into you. When you encounter salvation, when you encounter conversion, it's a seed placed into you. And how much you cultivate and believe what was sown into you determines the healing or the hopelessness. So where are we at? Where are we at on this journey? Are we trapped in a dimension where at one sense I feel hope and at the same time I feel hopeless? I feel like forever the church painted this cut and dry thing. Like you're either full of hope or you're not. You're full of faith or you're going to hell. That's so not true. But it sounded good, so we just believed it forever when we sat on pews saying, well, to be honest, I feel like I'm filled with both. <laughs> one minute I'm up here and one minute I'm here and I want to believe everything Jesus said, but I keep encountering this thing. I keep seeing what's wrong and we're in this war and nobody has stopped and got honest. Nobody has stopped and been honest and said, you know what? I do have hope in Jesus Christ. But have you seen what's going on around us lately? Have you noticed what's happening? So there's like this thing in me that's, there's some hopelessness that's, that's pulling me in one direction. But I keep trying to remember, what, what, what was it he said? Wait, did, did he really say he's going to bring revival? Did he really say the healing is going to come? Did he really say these are the things that can happen? Because right now, in my current state, I know what he said, but I'm somewhere in between. I'm between when he spoke it and when I get it. What do we do in this place? How do we navigate this area? Peter, uh, I believe it was Peter who wrote to the church and said, I want to stir you up. By way of remembrance. I want to stir you up. So I just have to believe in my mind that these ten lepers are on this journey. They're going to see the priest. And on the way there, they're realizing, man, nothing's changed yet. Like, bro, you're still messed up. And you're still messed up. And I still have this. And, and we're almost to the priest by now. I think this is another reason it's so important for who you have around you. Because somebody in the group, probably the Samaritan that came back, probably said, yeah, but remember what he said? Yeah, but he said to go, I know it don't look good right now, but, but Jesus said we need to go show ourselves to the priest. You have to be very careful because there also could be someone in the group saying, no, nah, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to happen. And if there's more of those around you, then guess what? You stop before you get to the priest and say, Maybe it wasn't for us. And you start buying into this new theology that, well, maybe I just don't get healed. Maybe I have to be messed up the rest of my life. Maybe I have to be the one that just deals with this and dies with this. When Jesus said, no, you got to show yourself to the priest. Him saying that was like him saying, you're no longer a leper. That's all they've known. Everything they did in life screamed. I'm a leper. As a matter of fact, if they accidentally got close to someone, they had to yell, I'm a leper. Oh, come on. I hope y'all are preaching more than what you're hearing right now in your own mind. 
See, a lot of times what happens is we find ourselves around someone else and subconsciously we're screaming, but I'm a leper. I'm a leper. I'm a leper. I have this issue. I have this thing. When God's trying to call you up, maybe the pastor's trying to pull you up and say, you can do this, and you're able to do that. But inside you're saying, oh, I'm a leper. I'm still a leper. I'm still a leper. But what about when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest? You're not a leper. So in the moment, you have to say, do I buy into what I'm feeling in the moment? Or when do I step into, but Jesus said, and if he said it and it hasn't come yet, then I'm just not there yet. But I'm not in Samaria. I'm not in that place. Because what happens if you buy into the ground between Samaria and Galilee, you always end up back in Samaria. I'm going to say that again. If you buy into and become comfortable with the area between Samaria, where you were, and Galilee, where you're called to be, you'll eventually find yourself back where you were. Anytime we buy into less than what he has called us to, it becomes a gravitational pull back to where you were originally. I wish the church could be so brutally honest and we could say, you know what, I've been there. I got, I got comfortable where I'm at. And before I knew it, I was looking at those things again. I got comfortable where I'm at, and I started trying that again. Man, I wish we could be real enough to stop and say, every time I've settled for less than what he called me to be, I ended up going back to who I was. Every single time. It's in, our na- it's in, it's in the fallen nature of Adam. So when I choose not to agree with the resurrected nature of Christ, then the fallen nature starts drawing me back into a place that Jesus spoke me out of. Gosh. But the problem is, he sows a seed. You know what I hate about seed? It takes a lot of responsibility. So if you're ever thinking about getting me anything, don't get me something you have to plant. It will not make it. If I get it in the ground, that will be it. Seed takes a lot of responsibility. See, it would have been better. Remember there was, oh, help, Holy Spirit, help me. This just popped in there. I'm trying to. I'm trying to track names. There was a guy in the Old Testament who got leprosy. It was even leprosy. Man, the Holy Spirit's good. There was a guy in the Old Testament who got leprosy, and the prophet, he went to the prophet to be healed. Well, the prophet's chilling in his recliner. He's had a long day. He's like, you know what? It's just leprosy. It's not that big a deal. I got this. Hey, servant, go out there and speak to that dude and heal him. I'm paraphrasing to make it like our day. He goes to the prophet to get healed. The prophet sends out the servant to heal him, and he gets mad because the prophet himself didn't come. See, we just want the prophet to show up and bam, everything's fixed. And God says, no, I'm going to encounter you in a place where I sow a seed. Because then I have just partnered with you. We just want God to be a sugar daddy and me just show up and get what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want. And God's saying, no, that's not what I do. What I do is I invest things. And when I invest, I expect your accountability and your responsibility to grow it into what it's designed to be. I invest things. 
He's a God that sows things. And guess what he has sown into you? You're healed. You're not broken. You're not addicted. You're not messed up. You're not a bad mother. You are everything God has called you to be. You are everything he's, but God, look at me right now. Yes, I see you right now, but I'm calling you into something that's way better than what you see right now. Just keep walking. Just keep walking in the direction of what I have called you to be and who I have called you to be and refuse to partner with who you were there. Instead, look ahead and partner with that. I am the head and not the tail. I am the beginning and I am. I am, I am, I am, I am. Yes, there was a time when I was, but right now, I am. (laughs) I am healed. I am in a position to show myself to the priest. So as they're walking, imagine the conversations. But we're almost there, and it still looks the same. Yes, but remember what he said. Remember what he said. Don't stray away. Continue to tell yourself what he said. If he said you're healed, then say that you're healed. If he said you're delivered, say that you're delivered. Every time you look at yourself and you think, oh God, this isn't what he said. Well, start saying what he said and quit partnering with. Quit giving so much airtime to who you were. The loudest voice in our life usually is coming from our past. You were this. You're going to be that again. If you lay out a church one week, you're going to be back to doing this. If you do this, you're going to be back. And we're hearing these voices all the time, constantly going. Instead of going back to, he said, he said, I'm no longer a leper. He said, I'm no longer a leper, so I'm going to go show myself to the priest. But most of us are living in this place between believing and unbelief. And did you know it's possible to live in both at the same time? It's not as cut and dry as we thought it was. And I want to prove it to you. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, there's an incredible story. Uh, Do you all care if I just read the whole story? Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. And when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing with them about? He's talking to his disciples. I'm going to move on. Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him... It throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And he replied to them, you <laughs> I love Jesus. Listen to how he talks to his disciples. And he replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? <laughs> That's so awesome. Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions, and he fell on the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus, while all this is going on, looks at the father and says, How long has this been happening to him? The father replied, From childhood. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was gathering, he rebuked the, clean, rebuked 
the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And it came out, shrieking and throwing into terror convulsions. The boy became like a corpse, so that they said, He's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and stood him up. After he had gone in, the disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, This kind only comes by prayer. This one says, most translations say, by prayer and fasting. I, this is an incredible story, and there's so much. I'm trying not to get lost in all the details. But I want you to focus on this one thing. Jesus declares, thank you so much. Jesus declares something to the Father. He says, if you can believe, anything's possible. And the father says, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Now, I want you to look deep into this scripture because he's talking about Jesus performing a miracle and Jesus is flipping the script in a moment saying, but if you had enough faith, if you could believe enough, you would perform the miracle. So we see the aspect of Jesus performing the miracle and Jesus talking about him performing it. So these are the two things that we're dealing with. So when the father says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. How do two become present in one? Because he believed Jesus could heal him, but he did not believe that he could heal him. Y'all with me? Back to where we started. We believe God can do anything he wants to do. We just don't believe he'll do it through us. We believe God can heal people. We just never really believe he's going to heal us. And we believe God would use someone to prophesy to the nations and declare the gospel and do all this. We just don't believe so I believe, but yet I have unbelief. And this is where we're at. We're the ten lepers. Where they're in between. And they're saying, yes, I believe what Jesus said, but looking at the current situation, I can feel the unbelief. A lot of times what happens, though, because it doesn't look good on us, we just act like there's no unbelief. Well, I believe it all, brother. I believe every word of it. Where is it? But what if I could stop and say, you know what? I'm just going to be honest. I believe God. I believe in God. I believe what God is capable of. But I'm struggling with some actual, real unbelief in the situation. Not as it relates to God, but as it relates to me. Personally, this has probably been one of the greatest struggles in my Christian life. I can champion and back and promote and push Anyone and everyone. Michael tells me all the time at work, you just have that annoying to push people into doing things. And I love to push because I believe you can do it. My struggle has always been I have an unbelief that I can do it. I mentioned last week sitting outside in the parking lot of the high school, so sick and so nervous and so scared to walk in because I believe someone else. I would love it when Colby would call me and be like, hey, bro, I got off work Wednesday. Yes, you do it. You get on the stage. You talk to the people. Why? Because I believe it for you. Lord, I believe. But when it comes to me, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe God, people, I believe God makes people whole. But when it comes to me, I find a lot of unbelief. So I find myself stuck between two dimensions. Some of you may remember, me and Dad have been preaching this message back and forth to each other all week. And right now, with him being in quarantine, it's all done by the phone. So we're on the phone a lot, which is very unusual for us. It's very unusual for us not to be together. 
my fa- I was talking to Lacey this morning. I was like, this has been so weird for our family because we're together every day just about. Like, And I don't just mean, I mean the whole family. We find lame excuses to end up at mom and dad's house. And the whole family ends up there around their island raiding whatever food they never have in their house. <laughs> Buy some food already. Good Lord. I love y'all. What was I saying? Oh, we've been preaching this back and forth. And, and some of you may remember dad preached a message a while back called the Twilight Zone. And no, it was not about vampires, I promise. But he preached this message called the Twilight Zone. And, it, and twilight actually means, I'm still in some of his definition stuff, when two dimensions are present at the same time. And I'm convinced this is how most Christians live our lives. Two dimensions being totally present at the same time. Now, one reason we live like this is because we live in a natural dimension and a spiritual dimension at the same time. So there is a natural struggle that comes from these two things being together. Dark and light being present simultaneously. Now, this reminded me of a, uh, this incredible prophetic series that me and my family just watched, the whole thing. There's nine of them. And... Uh, it's a super prophetic uh, series called Star Wars. If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. It's incredible. No, my wife ordered the whole thing. I think there's nine, right? Something like that. Anyway, there's nine of them. So me, her, and Stephen went through, and we've spent the last couple weeks, I guess, watching every one of them. And it depicts an incredible story, if you don't know, of the Force. There's a dark side and a light side. So if you have any spiritual about you at all, the whole time the movie is going on, you're processing so much spiritual realities that are taking place in the movie. And there's, uh, in the last two, I hope some of y'all, I hope you've already seen it or you're not planning on watching it because I may ruin it. But in the last two, which are the best two by far, in the last two, you have, um, his name just left me, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is the dark Jedi in the last two. And And even though he's the dark Jedi, you see this struggle of him knowing, he keeps saying that there's a light, there's light inside me. There's a light that's drawing me. There's a light that's pulling. He becomes connected to to Ray. She ends up, she is the one in the light side. Why am I bringing all this up? Because what happens is we often, like Kylo Ren, we live in this drawing of two dimensions. And based on the dimension that you choose to give your attention to determines what level you begin to live in. And what's really incredible, this was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, when Kylo Ren and Rey go into this insane fight scene, and they're doing all this kind of stuff, uh, I just can't explain it all. Anyway, it comes to a point, he gets distracted, and Rey has the chance to kill Kylo Ren, the dark guy. Stabs him with a lightsaber, he goes down. It's, It's a crazy, epic scene. Well, then all of a sudden... In the moment, the good, the light within her becomes strong enough that instead of letting him die, she uses the force, heals Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren becomes Ben Solo. God, I want to go back and watch him. It was so good. She heals him using the force, and her healing him converts him to the light. Oh, come on. In my mind, I was thinking, it's the goodness of God that draws men unto salvation. So you have to understand that there is these two dimensions that we have found our, and what's crazy is you're in these two dimensions. You're in a dimension of light and a dimension of 
we're going to call it darkness, carnality, the earth, this realm. But you're also between these two dimensions. You're between Samaria where you were and Galilee where he has called you. So you find yourself trapped in the middle of two dimensions. i got to read this to you. Uh, a place of hope and hopelessness. Uh, that's one thing that throughout the series, the light, the, 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 the light What's, what are they called? The resistance, whatever it is, they're always saying we have to be the ones with hope. We have to keep hope alive. So it's this understanding that you're living in this realm where you're trying to keep hope alive in what he has said about you. It's faith and doubt present at the same time. Let me show you this. 1 Timothy 1 and 18. Paul says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which were before on thee, that you might... Wow, he's, I got it here in the King James Version. I'm having trouble reading it. Before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. I'm going to read that to you in our language. Timothy, according to the prophecy on your life, use those prophecies to fight. Use what you've been told. Use the fact that Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest to fight. To fight what? To fight what you're in right now. To fight what your flesh is telling you. To fight what the dark side is telling you. To fight all these things that are happening. Remember what he said. Remember what he said, because most of us are somewhere in the swirl of these dimensions, in the swirl of not being here but not being there, and feeling the draw from the light, and feeling this in the dark, and all this is going on, and one minute you have belief, one minute you're in fire, and one minute you're in water, one minute you're up, and, and you're trying to figure out all this kind of stuff, and he's pulling you back in, trying to tell you, remember what he said. You got to go back and remember because most of us have become lost where we're at just because we didn't hold on to what he said. We found ourselves somewhere in between. And sometime in between, we lost it. We lost what he said. And I'm just looking for some people that can be as honest as the boy's father and say, God, I do believe. But if I'm honest, I need you to help me with this unbelief. Like, like I, I believe in God. There's, there's no struggle there. But I'm dealing with a lot of unbelief when it comes to me, my healing, my wholeness, my deliverance, my ability to become who he said I was, my ability to step into the identity of someone who can show themselves to the priest. Because at that time, they couldn't. So Jesus is so, sowing a seed into them of something, someone who they are called to be and destined to be. So when we say, do something, go somewhere, keep moving, do this. Do something in who he has called you to be. Remind yourself of what he has said about you. A lot of times in between these, when we're between Samaria and Galilee, when we're between this dark and this light, and it's in those moments when distractions can just be magnified. And they tend to be made way bigger than possibly what they even are. And these distractions begin to come in as, as whatever they may be in your life. And it's those times and those opportunities where we have to be so intentional to hold on to what he has said. 
to hold on to what he is declaring over me, to hold on to what he is saying about my family, to hold on to what he's saying about my city, to hold on to what he's saying about whatever the situation you find yourself in. He has a word for it. In most cases, he's already given us the word for it. But are we using that word to fight what I see in the moment? Or have I become so distracted with what I see in the moment, I forgot about his word? Because that's where we end up so many times. And it's hard because when you've been a leper, I'm going to try to share some, share this the way it was given to me by Papa Dean. I mentioned to you that this year I went through a process of some things being revealed and being healed on levels that just, I, I just can't even explain it all right now. But dad was in prayer and God began to show him some things about how this works. And when you've been that way and you've, you've been the leper for so long, it actually becomes the idol. It actually becomes what you bow to because whichever identity you choose to pay your respects to, that identity becomes the idol in your life. And so what's really hard is when you've spent all your life building this image, we'll call it, in, in, in the Old Testament, they would build images, and you would bow to the image. Well, my image was what I had been through and what had happened to me, and I had built an idol to this image, and I always ended up finding my way back to the feet of this image. And what happens is we find ourselves in a place where Jesus presents us with a new image. He presents us with a new identity. And then I find myself in a place of worship where, well, I choose to pay my respects to this old image that says I am this, or will I fight with the word and the things I've been given to make sure I bow to only him, only who he is, only what he has said. But in doing so, there's an incredible story in the Old Testament where uh, I believe it's Josiah becomes king. And when he becomes king, immediately he violently goes and begins to tear down some images that had already been set up. A big part of what happens to us is when we begin this journey, if we don't begin to tear down by the Spirit the image that has been built for so long, the idol that has been set up for so long, if we don't tear it down, then we always have it to return back to. So we not only have to start saying, I'm going to choose to just focus on this. I'm going to choose. We have to, by the Spirit, violently begin to go after that thing that we bowed to for so long. But that's just, every time we fall under, well, that's just who I am. You've just turned and paid respects to that image, to that thing we've built. And Jesus says, but I told you you were no longer a leper. But I said you're able to go show yourself to the priest. Where are we at? Where are you at? I have found myself lately in this in-between state like I have never been before. And thankfully for the people around me who have spoken to me, but in the moments where I have to be intentional and, and violent by the Spirit against this image. 
I, uh, I'm going to wrap up with this, but I, I, had a, I had a dream a little while back. And in the dream, uh, in the dream, I woke up and I was, I was trapped. It was like I was kidnapped. And uh, I was in a, like a giant hotel or something, but I was in the room and when I come to, I could tell someone was in the, in the bathroom. I could hear something going on in there. And I was laying in the bed. And you know how it is when you wake up and you're not sure where you are and I was just trying to, just trying to focus and figure out where I was. It all started kind of just coming back to me. Well, uh, about that time, the door opened, and a certain person walked out. And uh, this person just connected to so much that had happened to me and just all the healing that I needed because of this. And I felt like I was there again. I was trapped in this place. and was, So I just started, just jumped up and ran out the door as fast as I could. I got out, ran out of this giant hotel. It was so tall, I had to run all the way down. I ran out into the street. And when I got out to the street and started to take off running, it was as if something was pulling me back really hard. It was like it was, I was connected to a rubber band. And I just took off as hard as I could, and I was running so hard. I mean, literally every physical ounce of strength I had to get away from this thing, from this that had made me who I was. And, 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 and all this that had happened, I was just running as hard as I could, putting all my strength into it. It reminded me of, you know, in high school we used to have those where they would hook you up. You know what I'm talking about, Kenny? And you would run. There was a resistance bands. It was just like that, but I couldn't see anything. It was all invisible. I was just running as hard as I could. And when I started realizing I was about to just, I was going to run out of strength. It was going to pull me back into that, into that thing, that situation. When I realized I was at that point, I just began to pray in the spirit, in the dream. And I just began to pray and pray. And it began to escalate and it began to escalate until finally I was literally just yelling. I mean, I was screaming my prayer in the spirit, in the spirit, just, just, and then right before I felt like it was about to snatch me back into it, I broke loose, and then I woke up, and in the dream after that, of course, I shared it with my wife, my dad, and some of them, and, and, and had them just praying, and of course, I, I felt like immediately God was just showing me things, letting me know things. He began to show me that just physically running from what it was, was never enough to actually break me from it I could just get myself distanced from it and in doing so it took so much work so much energy see this is the thing most of you just know me as I've been one of the pastors here youth pastor one of the ministers here for years feels like forever now uh, and you you only get to see most people only get to see this side of me, and, and I've come off the stage, and I've heard people say, wow, you're so bold, you're so anointing, you're all these kind of things, but you don't understand, I was always living, running against the resistance band, and I was always wore out, I was always exhausted, because physically and mentally, I was fighting to get away from all that that happened, forever, as long as I can remember now, uh, since I was a kid, just running as hard as I could to, to be away from that. But it would always, eventually, I would get tired and wear out, and it would just jerk me back in. And I would find myself in that room. I would find myself just bowing before that thing again. And he began to show me that only by the Spirit are you going to learn to actually break free from it and not just distance yourself. I really didn't know I was going to share a lot of this this morning, but... But I feel like a lot of us are in that place where 
we're starting to understand the struggle, the both sides. And you've just about wore yourself out physically trying to not be that, not end up back in that. So physically and mentally, you're just depleted. When the dream that God gave my wife that began the process of my healing, when it came out and things were revealed and I sat down and shared everything with my wife, every detail of everything that had ever happened, everything I'd ever gone through. When I did, you can ask her, I was sitting on the couch at home and just began to pour it all out and put everything out there. And as I was saying the last few words, I, I, I said, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm tired of running. I have nothing left. I'm just exhausted. And through tears and letting those few last words out, I immediately fell asleep. You can ask her, just right there on the couch, just... My body had physically begun to express what was happening internally. And I just went to sleep. Like it was, it was a rest that I hadn't personally been able to have most of my life. Because I was always running from this thing. Trying to get away from, I'm not a leper. I'm not a leper anymore. And I would just run as hard as I could. Until eventually I would just get tired and it would suck me back in. And what most people, I think, don't understand is how connected your spirit and your body are. That a lot of times, if you will let yourself get to physical exhaustion, you will fall into things spiritually that you wouldn't have done if you were physically strong. (laughs) We're so intertwined. And that's why it's important for you to rest for you to be in good health. But that's why it's important for you to be whole. I was healed. I believe I was healed in some sense. I was converted. I was doing really good things and being a part of great things, but I was not whole. And I'm not even going to be bold enough to say I'm whole yet, but I'm in a process of becoming whole. And we'll notice at the end of the story we've been starting with in Luke, it says the not, uh, all ten went, they were healed One returns and it says, your faith, he says, weren't nine healed? He says, but you returned and your faith made you whole. There had to be a returning back to him, to Jesus, a proximity, a coming to his feet, leaving the feet of an image that had been built in my life and coming back to the feet of Jesus Christ. And it's in that place of being at his feet that we become whole. Can I tell you, God is not looking for tools that he can use on earth. He's looking for children. And his desire is for you to be whole, to be made well. Bliss, you want to come play? Because for a long time, by the grace of God, I was able to be used by God and do some incredible things and be a part of some great things. But it wasn't, I feel like a lot of times things become revealed in our lives that we need that full healing of, and we just see it as God's just calling us out on stuff. Like that's kind of our approach, probably because that's how we've been treated by the church most of our lives. I'm just going to call you out on this. When God is saying, my goal is not to call you out on my goal is for you to experience a wholeness. I don't just want you to do good things. 
I want you to be completely healed. Mind, body, soul, all the way through. So I, I believe in, in Him beginning to just take us on this journey of where we're at in between these two dimensions, that in that place, the lepers had to become honest and reveal about them what was wrong. And in the revealing, God sowed a seed in opposition to what was wrong. And then they had to capitalize on the seed and choose by faith to go in the direction that Jesus had told them. In obedience. In complete submission to what He had said. And I feel like that's where we're at. That God's bringing us back for, to a place where first we have to be brutally honest and stop acting like we've got it all together. And, and, and let's just be honest and let's take our masks off and reveal that, look, there's some stuff. You know, when Jesus, in the Bible, the first time when he uses the term hypocrite, it's not actually a spiritual term. Back then, it was a, a hypocrite was actually a person in a play. And when they had plays back then, they didn't have enough actors. So one person would have a mask on, and he would act out a part. Then he would turn around and switch masks and come back and act out another part. And that was a hypocrite. A hypocrite was someone who could put a mask on and then put on another mask so that you don't know what's actually going on. And you're not seeing the real who I am because I'm just the actor with the masks. And I believe God's calling us to a place saying, I need you to lay down the masks. I need you to get brutally honest about where you're at, about the fact that you're somewhere between, that you believe but you have unbelief, that you're in faith but you feel hopelessness. All these realities that are at war within us, these two dimensions that are so present that feel like they're tearing us apart, that we become super honest about it. We go before Jesus, we get at his feet, and we listen for him to tell us what to do. And when he says, go show yourself to the priest, we believe within us that we are worthy to be in front of a priest. And we begin to move in that direction. And then we experience, as they went, they were healed. The moving is not necessarily what healed them. It was that they went in the direction he had said. This is where we're at. I feel like today was the furthest thing from a sermon or a teaching. I told Courtney, God gave me a, a, the Holy Spirit just dropped this in me this week and it was huge for me. And he said, some revelations come by study and sometimes you have to study the revelation that came by experience. Sometimes revelation comes by study and sometimes you have to study the revelation that came by experience. For those of you that have tracked with me or been close to me for very long, you know that I am a, a studier. I'm a student, especially of the Bible. And for most of my life, my revelation has come from me being a student. And that is very commendable. You should always be gaining revelation by being a student. But now I've shifted into a, a point in my life where at this moment, I'm having to go study the revelations that are coming from my experiences. And what's crazy, if you think about it, this is how the Bible was written. They didn't go read the Bible and then figure out the Bible wasn't there yet. They were having experiences, and the experiences, experiences were creating the revelation of their study. And that's how we ended up with this. This is where we're at. Oh, this is where we're at. I'm telling you. God is desiring to bring such a wholeness and a healing to his children. 
you're not supposed to go to heaven broke. I don't mean that financially. I mean physically, mentally, emotionally. And heck, financially. You're not supposed to just cripple in broke, busted, and disgusted. You're supposed to be healed and whole. Fully alive. John 10.10 The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Whole, healed, complete. I want to pray with you guys while somebody... You know, I got a couple guys that jerked that thing down. We're going to do a baptism this morning. I'm so excited. This is two weeks in a row that we're going to get to have a baptism. This is what it's about. This one this morning is so special. <laughs> Kenny couldn't get it down because he couldn't reach it. Listen, while we're transitioning and moving, I want to let you know that other than our Sunday morning service, There'll be nothing else here for the remainder of the year. Uh, we'll regroup at the end of December and try to make a game plan for the first of next year. As of now, we're going to try to keep our Sunday morning services. Uh, I told Courtney it was kind of funny because we sent out, like, look, if you, if you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, whatever you need to do, we want to respect everything. We ask you to just try to social distance while we're here so we can keep our Sunday morning gatherings right now going. And then we got here and everybody sat in the middle together. I was like, <laughs> These people, y'all are awesome. Uh, so for the rest of the year, we're just going to have our Sunday mornings. There'll be no extras, no Wednesday nights, no Sunday nights. Uh, but I want to challenge you to use this time. Don't, don't let this become a time where we, we lay back, uh, we get lazy, so to speak. But press in. Create your own opportunities. You, especially you parents that have kids at home, this is such a good time to be pouring into your kids, creating those Bible studies, showing them how we stay connected. I want to say this. This is not the first time that the church has had to figure out this idea of being together. Right? When the church was actually first birthed, it was growing so fast and it was growing so rapidly and it become, it come under so much persecution, they couldn't meet together. Because if they met together in a large group, they would find out about it and they would come Arrest them. We're not being arrested, thank God, at least not here right now. Uh, there are some. But we're in a place. So what I want you to understand is what they did was they so desired to continue what their master had started, they found creative ways to do it. So I'm asking you to not belittle and not take for granted what it took to build the church that we have. And let's find ways to do that. If you have to do Zoom calls, FaceTime, stay connected. Uh, we may host some small, intimate Bible study type thing. Find a way to stay connected. I'm telling you, it's imperative that we just press in right now. That we press in and we be a part of this. Do you have something? I will. Can I pray with you all this morning? I feel like the journey that we're on right now is it's so imperative. It's so real right now for where people are at, what we're going through, what we're dealing with. And God is desire, God's desire is to navigate us through this correctly, that we become whole, we become healed. We become emotionally mature and stable and spiritual. So, Father, this morning I'm just asking that you would continue to lead us Help us that we would begin to understand that when you reveal things, it's never to shame us. 
It's never to just call us out, but your desire as a good father is that we be healed and we be whole. That you're not just looking for tools that you can use and then discard when you're done, but you're looking for sons and daughters to be healed and whole, to be full representations of who you are and what you're capable of, of what you want to do in this community, in our lives, in our families. God, we want to operate in that level. We want to be whole. Help us to take the words you have given us. Help us to take the prophetic words that have spoken over us, the ones that are in your Bible, to take them and war against the feelings, the thoughts, the things that are counteracting what you've said about us, who you've called us to be, that we quit bowing to the image and the idol, that we begin to tear it down and we begin to exalt your image. We begin to exalt you. We, like the one, find our way back to your feet, Jesus, that we find our way back to your feet and at finding ourselves at your feet, we begin to experience a wholeness that comes in proximity to you, Father. We thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that comes and directs and guides and leads us. Now I'm asking that by the, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we mix our faith with it. We partner with it. We become one with the word and we begin to live it, walk it, be it, breathe it, sleep it, eat it. That it become everything that we are. That we become the mature sons and daughters that you have called us to be, Father. That we are not lepers, but we are healed by the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.